but not broken. With host Patrick Scroggins. As a U.S. Army attack helicopter pilot deployed in Iraq, Patrick faced a devastating crash, which resulted in him dying, losing a leg, and a slew of broken bones. Patrick's story of rehabilitation has helped others to overcome their own obstacles. Each week, Patrick recounts stories of inspiration and interviews guests who have overcome remarkable obstacles. This is Wounded But Not Broken with your host, Patrick Scroggins. Hey everyone, welcome to Wounded But Not Broken. Uh, first of all, I'd like to hope, say that I hope everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Hope everybody was in, able to enjoy the time with their family and, uh, uh, you know, just something kind of back to some normalcy that this country has missed for the last year and a half, two years. Uh, hopefully we can get, get back on track and, and uh, start living the American dream. But uh, tonight, got a very special guest, a good friend of mine, Keith Holland. He's a retired uh, Green Beret. And uh, with that, Keith, I'm going to let you just introduce yourself and uh, just tell us your story, man. Hey, uh, yeah, so Patrick, thanks for having me on first and foremost. Um, appreciate uh, you wanting to listen to my story, and I appreciate you uh, are willing to put it out on the air and maybe help others that uh, struggled with some of the things both you struggled with and, and some of the things I struggled with. Um, yeah, man, that's what it's all about. Uh, so, you know, at a young age, I always knew I wanted to be in the military. And, uh, you know, my, my father was in the military. My, my grandfather was in the military. My uncles were in the military. I had, uh, several family members die in World War II, um, that went in the military. And, uh, so it's always been in my blood. And as soon as I graduated high school, I, um, I went ahead and signed up. Now I started off in the National Guard as, as a lot of guys do. Because uh, I wasn't quite sure which direction I wanted to go with my life. Uh, but I always wanted to be some type of law enforcement. So I, I signed up as a military police uh, back when I graduated in 98 from uh, the Charlotte area of North Carolina. And uh, as soon as I graduated high school, I went to basic training down in uh, Fort McClellan, Alabama, which is uh, no longer a, an active duty post anymore or a training post. And uh, I graduated from the MP Corps and went back home, and I decided to go to college. and went to college for a semester and uh, started doing different things and got a full-time job, but I just wanted more with my life instead of just being a college student and a, and a truck builder for Freightliner. Um, and that's about the time when uh, 9-11 happened and uh, I was I was getting ready for a college class one day and um, I'm watching the news as I, I did a lot of times in the morning and uh, out of nowhere I just you know you, you see that everybody knows the old videos where the plane comes through the sky and it hits the building and was like whoa you know what just happened it, like everybody else I was you know a little confused wasn't sure what was going on and then, of course, the second one hit it, and I knew right then and there, you know, that we were being attacked, and uh, that was my higher calling. So that is is the initial thing that really put me into uh, 
that active duty mindset. Right. And I know so, that, uh, that, that, that was such a powerful day for so many and including myself. Um, um, I've talked many times about it, uh, that feeling that I had, uh, you just, it, it, I, I don't know what, what, like what feelings did you have when, when you knew that we were being attacked on our, on our own soil? Well, it really wasn't a sense of fear. It was more of like, I have, I'm a healthy young man in great shape. And I, the first thing I'm thinking of, I'm already in the National Guard. I'm going to go to war. So I want to go active duty and, and make it a lifestyle. So that was my biggest calling. Like I was so, um, I don't want to say mad or irritated, but I was frustrated with what I just seen. Like how could human beings do that to each other? And uh, I wanted to to do my part for my country, um, my pride for this country, my love for this country, my love for my fair fellow Americans. Uh, it's probably one of the biggest reasons why I decided that I needed to go active and actually go fight this war and keep the fight over there and not here at home. Right. Right. Because that's the last thing we want to do is fight a war here. I mean, wars are bad enough. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, that, that evil that comes with them. Uh, we definitely don't want that on our, on our home soil. And, and fortunately we have the greatest nation on earth with people filled with people like you that will step up and answer the call. And that's what you did. And so, man, you know, I can't thank you enough and um, pretty inspiring what you've accomplished. But uh, so you, you joined uh, active duty as an MP, I'm assuming, and then you, how long before you deployed the first time? Yeah, so almost immediately getting to uh, my first duty station as an MP of active duty with Fort Benning, I, uh, I deployed to uh, the Pentagon for Operation Noble Eagle. So we were, our duty was to guard the Pentagon uh, because they were at a higher uh, level of threat. You know, the the hole in the wall where the, the plane smashed into the wall was still there. You could still smell the the uh, the burntness of the ground, the building. I mean, it was, you could feel all of that energy that happened in that spot. And as, as a guard, as an MP there, I was able to walk through that area and, and look at it and it's, it was just it was pretty overwhelming knowing that this is one of the places where it all began with with my military career and now I'm here guarding it unknowing to me before it all happened right yeah. wow that's that's crazy and so yeah I, I'm sure uh, I, I mean I don't really remember but I'm sure that it was uh, you know our threat status was was up so when you were guarding the Pentagon like what were your what was your uh, rules of engagement there? Basically, our rules of engagement was basically the same as what it would be like in a in a combat zone. Uh, we couldn't fire upon unless, or could not fire unless we were fired upon, um, or to protect you know life or uh, you know anything type of you know car running the uh, roadblock stuff stuff to that effect. So it was pretty right. much combat uh, security type uh, protection. We had our gun trucks out there with uh, 50 cows and stuff like that. So, 
Gotcha. And so how long were you there for do at the Pentagon? Uh, that trip, I'd like to think if I can remember right, I have, have, I've had too many TBIs, but about uh, about four months, if I'm not mistaken. Leave it quiet. So, yeah, I was there about four months. Uh, we lived right there on Fort Myer, uh, where the old, next to the old guard. Um, so we, we walked to the Pentagon or we took a little shuttle bus or we took our, uh, our gun trucks over there and to report for, for duty. So it was, uh, it was pretty interesting. It's the first time I ever seen something like that. Um, other than basic training and stuff as, as a kid growing up. Right. And so after that deployment, is that after that, that's when you decided to go to, uh, active duty and just this, this a second i know everybody hears dogs in the background there's a bigger story and we're going to get to that at the end uh part of what keith's doing now uh it's pretty impressive uh but so that's why there's some dogs in the background he's got he's got a whole slew of protection dogs he he does training but i just wanted to point that out but so after um after the uh pentagon deployment is that when you went active duty Actually, uh, when I went, I went active duty just prior to that deployment. So I went active duty. I went to my duty station, which was 988th MP Company. Um, and then they deployed us to the Pentagon for Operation Noble Eagle, and I was active at that point. I got you. So I transferred from the guard to active, and then once I was active, that's when I went to my unit and we deployed to the Pentagon. Got you. When uh, when was your first deployment over the pond? When was it? Let's see. If I can remember right, it was it was. We we got we started there in November, and was there until sometime April. I'd like to think maybe maybe not quite April. February, and that was an that was as an MP. Yes, yes. Okay. So how was that deployment? Now that first deployment, because I know you went multiple times. So that first deployment, what was your um, experience? And just kind of walk us through that, because I'm sure it's a complete contrast from the other times you went. Yeah. So as as a military police at the Pentagon, we we basically did uh, checkpoints around the Pentagon. And then when we would also have, and at those checkpoints, we we were having traffic stops. Uh, we, we would do uh, random ID checks. We would have our gun trucks there. Um, you know, and you know that was the old school, so we were still BD, BDUs back then and spit shine boots. But we would be, you know, the old school LBE like like Vietnam era stuff is what we wore. And uh, we would have our M4, but yeah, it was mostly like a uh, security checkpoint, and then some roving guards in between the two, and then we had also the uh, special reaction force in case something was to go down at the uh, at the Pentagon, and that's that's a duty that a couple of guys that you know had met all the requirements would do, and we would rotate through those shifts and be on a 48-hour lockdown for that. Um, gotcha. But yeah, it was it was my very first really interaction with with active duty military as an MP, and uh, 
I have to say it was it was an eye opener for me, but it's I thought my I was gonna be you know, I, I was gonna meet all my, my needs and wants then and I just wanted more. I just wanted more. Right. You just, so once I, yeah, I think go ahead. what you're trying to say is you just you wanted a more as part of like a different team. So did you ever deploy to Iraq or Afghanistan as an MP? Never. No. Okay. Shortly okay. shortly after my deployment to uh, the Pentagon, I, I went into the SRT team for uh, the MP Corps, thinking that I was going to get my fix there, that, you know, I was going to get my, hey, be all you can be, top of the, you know, tip of the spear type stuff, because I was brand new to this military, and I, I really hadn't, didn't have a clue, you know. For everybody ever told me it was, until you're an NCO, you don't have a clue, you're just lost in the sauce, and I was literally one of those guys. Um, but I was trying to do my best, and I always strive to do the best and be the best, so it, it took a little bit of time, but not too much. I, I went to the SRTs, and we were a special reaction team with the MPs there at Fort Benning. So I, I did that, and I happened to be at the best best shape of my life during that time, and I had a buddy come up to me and was like, hey, man, we should go do selection. I said, selection? What is that? Well, he said, this for special forces. I said, what, like Rambo? <laughs> <laughs> And uh, he said, yeah, man, we could be like Rambo. And I said, okay, well, let's, let's do, what do we got to do to do it? So there was the first thing. Me and my buddy went to the Special Forces recruiting office there at Fort Benning. I got and you. So for the, for the, where the uh, go ahead. I was just going to say for the listeners, selection, uh, when you go into the Special Forces pipeline to be a Green Beret, you got to go to selection. Uh SFAS, it's a uh, qualification course uh, to see if you're suited on to go to the next level. So it's it's stacked in stages, but I, would, I just wanted to clear that up. Uh, some people might not know. Okay. And then, uh, so, yeah, we, I got, we got, me and my buddy got together. We got all the requirements done. Uh, we went to selection at Fort Bragg and... As as time went on, time went on, we we did everything before going to selection that we could, that we thought we needed to, based off of what the recruiter said to do. Um, it, but one of the hardest things to get most of the guys through selection is 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 the land nav portion, and uh, it used to be called the star event. I don't know if they still call it now or the star course, and uh, it's. Roughly like a seventy mile seventy mile trek, you know, and it creates a star on the map. Where right. We, uh, and where hey, to do Keith, land with now. that real quick, with that real quick, we got a break for a commercial here from the word from our sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to hear. Uh, we're just starting. Keith's just explaining just certain selection for special forces. When we be right back, and uh, he'll continue on with that. You're listening to Wounded but Not Broken. With host Patrick Scroggin. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. My father was the, the best truck driver I've ever known in my life. Like a family tradition. I'm a truck driver myself. I drove around the state with my cat. To be the truck driver, you not just only 
see where you go, you see the world in the larger perspective. This is a really good time to be in the trucking industry. The dispatchers get good loads for them. The equipment is very new and then it's very reliable. At GTS Transportation, we make dreams come true by employing truck drivers, dispatchers, mechanics, and many other occupations. Consider joining our rapidly expanding team where we put quality, human dignity, and respect back into the workforce. Contact us by visiting our website at gtscarrier.com or call us at 847-754-4667. That number again, 847-754-4667. Dallas Corporation and Dallas Logistics, a proud supporter of the Veterans Broadcast Network for over 19 years. High-quality printing services and warehouse distribution has been our hallmark since 1985, serving Fortune 100 companies for over 35 years. Check us out at www.dallascorp.com. CBN, Veterans Broadcast Network, brings you Wounded But Not Broken, hosted by Patrick Scroggin. It lies within you to conquer your greatest challenges. Patrick tackles the stories of how others faced unthinkable odds and then at a pivotal moment, a change occurred within them that gave them the strength, attitude, and direction to excel beyond the greatest expectations. Listen every week and learn how it is possible to defeat the impossible. Welcome back to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggins. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Wounded But Not Broken. We're here with Keith Holland. He's talking about, uh, he's just got to his story of uh, SFAS, Special Forces Assessment Selection, and he was uh, just kind of talking about the land now. I'm going to let you go ahead with that, Keith. So yeah, the uh, the Lamb Nav portion is like the the portion that is is one of the big biggest uh, part of it that gets the guys. Um, you'll find guys sitting on the side of the road. You'll find guys just lost, and you'll find guys run out of time, just just quit. Uh, and that's one thing me and my buddy pushed really hard for to to get past. And you know, because he he was really struggling with that the whole time we trained up for it, and. And needless to say, once it was all said and done with, um, he was a land nav failure, and I I passed it and actually got selected to go to the qualification course in Special Forces. Right. Yeah, I know land nav, a lot of guys get hurt too, right, because you're land nav in night and day. Yeah, so, you're land nav in night and day, constantly going, um, no lights at night, no nods, you're, you're under the light of the moon or – that there of none and uh creeks rivers lakes whatever gets in the way you're crossing it swimming it and you're carrying anywhere from about 55 to 65 75 pounds of uh equipment on your back during it right yeah i know it's uh uh hard on your feet <laughs> but, definitely hard on your feet hard on your back yeah so, so you started uh, the it... yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry so after making it through uh, the Q course or the uh, the Lexington and starting the Q course, 
I started off as a weapons guy. So I was a weapons specialist or 18 Bravo and uh, went to my first team. And as soon as I got to my first team, which is ODA 341, um, we deployed straight to Afghanistan. Um, so that was my very first true combat deployment in Afghanistan, fighting terrorism where it, where it started from, where it came from. And uh, I, I learned a lot of great lessons. I, I, I had several of my closest friends die in in Afghanistan, and uh, you know we we do we do a lot of different missions, but that that particular mission was 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 training the the local Indians and, and taking the fight to the enemy. So we were the truly at this point in my career, I thought I was at the tip of the spear, and I I was. As, as you know, most would look at it, but there was something more that I was missing. And uh, they, there's a, another unit within inside Special Forces, and uh, it was it was a special unit for the commander. And uh, we basically um, made up one percent of Special Forces Green Berets, and. I heard about that, and I was like, man, that's what I want to do. So uh, I was training up for my next deployment to go to Afghanistan, and I and I um, decided I was going to do a change of, you know, of a career path. So I, I took a battalion job real quick, and uh, the battalion needed some help with a, a young Bravo and uh, with getting their arms rooms secured, and it was kind of a stepping stone for me to get out of the company to that that special unit within Special Forces. And um, so I had to jump out real quick, got got that taken care of, and was able to get over in that, that, that unit. And uh, you basically go to that unit, and you, your mission over there is, is pretty much direct action, uh, hostage rescue type stuff. I mean, you're you're taking the fight to the enemy. You're you're building your target patches packages, and it's usually in an urban built up area. So after that first trip to Afghanistan, I got to this unit, and I started deploying to Iraq. And Iraq was a totally different. Uh, area of operations, and I think you, you've got a little bit more time in Iraq than Afghanistan, if I'm not mistaken, right, Patrick? Yeah, yeah, it's two totally different, totally different uh, terrains, totally different missions, really. Uh, it's just different, yeah. So, instead of really um, training the local Indians and taking the the fight to the enemy now, it, I was in a, a direct action with just American guys. And uh, we were really taking the fight to the enemy. Uh, we would build our own target packages. Uh, but once you're in that, that line of work, uh, that that pool gets smaller. And then when, when guys start dying there, it starts affecting even more because it gets closer to home. Uh, and we, we had lost a couple more guys uh, during that time. And... Of course, I, I had three three more deployments to Iraq, and 
um, was starting to feel the 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 damage inside of, of war and constantly on the go and looking to be the best of the best of the best and put your body through all that just destruction and uh, putting your, your body in some of the worst situations, you know, chasing door charges in and uh, doing CQB and breaching, not only breathing in all that, those chemicals of the charges going off, but shooting inside of the houses and and breathing in all that lead and all that stuff. It it really takes a medical toll on your body, and and none of us was aware of that. You know, we were aware of one thing: doing our mission, doing what we were trained, and taking the fight to the enemy, and keeping that from coming to our homes. Right. And uh, at that yeah. that point in my career, I was one of the best. For sure. Yeah, I think that um, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. You never really, you know, when you got the kind of personalities that that we have, you you kind of um, you always want to be at the top. You always want to be doing. There's always something more. You're always wanting something more. You don't think about the damage you're doing on your body, let alone the damage you're doing on your mind. And that mind, I would argue. Uh, the things that you do, the things that you see, the things that you go through is, is the absolute toughest thing uh, to deal with after the fact. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, it kind of kind of gets me to the point of, you know, you, you start having PTSD issues uh, or PTS issues is what I think they're calling it nowadays. And, um, but, I seen it and my PTS I I couldn't acknowledge it. I didn't I didn't think I had true PTSD. And um but I had some of my medics and stuff they said, you know, hey, we want you to go get checked out. We're on a deployment. I was on one of my deployments to Iraq. And uh so we got checked out and that's when the meds started happening. The army started putting the meds on me. Um to keep start, you know, keep our mental health health uh where it needed to be and you know so that that's kind of where stuff kind of got a little sideways for a little bit and uh I'd been I'd been there in in that that unit for for 3 years so it was about time for me to take a break uh at this point I've got four deployments um and then I had a fifth one to Tajikistan uh, and that was more more training the guys up, prepping them for anything that happens in the future. Um, and it's just something we do all over the United States that most people don't even have any idea that's going on. You know, right. the special forces community has deployed over 80% of the world at any given time, always doing something. Um, and that takes a, a different person to do that you know your your average guy can't do that so you know we're we're a little different than the average guy they i guess they started treating us like uh professional athletes um with all our like our medis, medical side of the house with our physical therapy and our training and our you know our body uh just composition and muscle and and fat percentages and just you name it the whole thing 
Uh, but one thing they left out was the mental aspect of the job, you know. And uh, right. that really affects a lot of guys to this day. I mean, we, we still have 22 guys or, or better, I would say, um, doing the most unforgiving thing that can be done, you know. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's such a, you know, I, I've said it many times on, like, uh, most of the podcasts I've done. You just you, People can't understand the toll it takes on you, seeing what you see, doing what you do, doing what's asked of you. Not not because, you know, you're not necessarily doing it because you want it. You're doing it because you feel it's the right thing to do for your country. And, uh, but, you know, over time, that, that stuff does take a toll on you. And, and uh, you know, it, at some point, it's inevitable that you will need some kind of help help with it. And uh, But quickly, I just want to... Um, I just want to back up a little bit. Like, so on your on your deployments to Afghanistan in, in this in this unit, because special forces, you guys go, you fly over all over the world. You'll train up other militaries. You can even stand up uh, governments essentially in, in third world countries, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, that Tajikistan deployment that I did with that first team after my Afghanistan trip, um, that's that's pretty much what we did. We 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 flew into Tajikistan. Uh, they they needed some some training, uh, so we we link up with the embassy and and we're you know we're we're given our limits what we're allowed to train and what we're supposed to be training what we're not supposed to be training. So I mean it's very it's sensitive it's classified material that what we're doing. Um, but yeah we we'll go to that country uh, to Tajikistan and and we would train their local uh, military and. Uh, Sometimes it's special units, sometimes it's not. Um, but uh, that particular mission was a special unit team over there. Um, we lived off the local economy. Um, we lived with the soldiers in that country. We ate with the soldiers. So, I mean, we it's a complete immersion in, into their life. But it's more of like a schoolhouse environment. We're training them how to shoot, move, and communicate on the ground, uh, not to necessarily overthrow their particular country, but to support their country in wartime if something was to happen. Right. Um, so, yeah, so on your deployments to Afghanistan, uh, can you just give us a one story, like one mission, uh, or even Iraq, one mission that really stands out, one that really affected you or touched you? Yeah, so uh, probably the biggest one that uh, that that I would say that really affected me that I, I, I'm comfortable talking about is in Iraq. Uh, we did this mission, and you know, you go in, you you take a helicopter ride in, you land kind of close to the target, or you land on the target, and we landed off of the target, and. Uh, Hey Keith, real quick, we gotta we gotta break again. It's time for commercials. Sorry, but uh, everybody stay tuned because this is gonna be a uh, a good. You want to hear this when we come back? A word from our sponsors. You're listening to Wounded but Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggins. Attention, looking for semi drivers nationwide. GTS Transportation of Burr Ridge, Illinois, is looking to hire a partner with experienced CDL holders in every state. If you are going to drive, why not drive for the best? 
Whether you are driving solo, as a team, or as an owner-operator, GTS is looking to add you to their rapidly growing company. Become part of one of the most respected, driver-friendly, and successful transportation companies in America, where drivers are treated as royalty. Contact us at gtscarrier.com. Again, gtscarrier.com. Or call us at 847-754-4667. That number again, 847-754-4667. We would love to help you, which in turn helps everyone. GTS is an equal opportunity employer. Corporation and Dallas Logistics, a proud supporter of the Veterans Radio broadcast for over 15 years. High quality printing services and warehouse distribution have been our hallmark since 1985, serving Fortune 100 companies for over 35 years. Check us out at www.dallascorp.com. CBN. Veterans Broadcast Network brings you Wounded But Not Broken, hosted by Patrick Scroggin. It lies within you to conquer your greatest challenges. Patrick tackles the stories of how others faced unthinkable odds and then at a pivotal moment, a change occurred within them that gave them the strength, attitude, and direction to excel beyond the greatest expectations. Listen every week and learn how it is possible to defeat the impossible. Welcome back to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggin. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, we're going to jump right into this. Keith was going to tell us uh, uh, one mission in Iraq there that was really that really stood out to him and uh, had, a, had a big impact on him. Keith, go ahead. Yeah, so there, we, we landed close to this target and we were walking into it and we were getting set in to our positions and uh, you know we knew there was enemy there we didn't know a specific count but we're going to this target because they were actually shooting down Blackhawks and then they were closing the van door and then they were riding away from shooting these Blackhawks down and uh, then they we found them right so we 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 go on this target, and we're, we're thinking this is the spot. So we uh, we go in, and the first thing we our snipers engaged some enemy combatants on the house, and uh, all I can say from there is all hell breaks loose. Uh, I hope I can say that. <laughs> no, you're fine, but, man. This uh, is uh... we we've got you know we've got our close air support. On standby, we've got our helicopters, we've got six-wing air assets. We have pretty much everything you need to to take down a target. And uh, so we we have we have one of our close air support guys. You know, they send in a a, a bomb, and uh, it don't it don't drop the house, but as soon as that bomb went off, um, it looked like you would turn on a light switch in a cockroach infested apartment and they just scattered. And, uh, so they're, they're maneuvering on us and we're, we're in our fighting positions and we're fighting it out, throwing grenades and, and we come up to this, like a stall in, in the firefight. 
And we're like, okay, all right. So we're gonna we're gonna clear the clear the objective and and uh, make sure everything's good. And we've got you know iron a sky kind of like uh, Call of Duty. They're they're telling us, hey, you got somebody down in front of you, something moving, something's dark, you know. So they were using the IR, and uh, so we seen we seen that, and it was right in front of my lane because that's exactly where I was going to walk. And uh, we had we happened to have a dog on the team with us that night, and uh, so we sent the dog in, and uh, the dog got got to that that dark spot in the thermals and uh the guy he blew himself up the uh and he ended up killing the dog and uh i just kind of took a deep breath and i was like huh you know because that could have been me that would have been me most likely um and uh you know because we had we had already we had already shot Everything we had from our air support at these guys, we we had shot a, a lot of our rounds. We were in a firefight for probably a good good thirty minutes, but felt like forever, you know, on the on the ground. And yeah. uh, especially when we we have bombs dropping and and uh, little birds coming in doing gun runs and stuff like that. And then, um, I mean, it was. It was a night that that I'll never forget. You know, you got hot hot brass falling in your neck, and you're you're engaging the enemy and throwing grenades at the enemy. And I mean, it was close fighting. And then out of nowhere, this dog goes in and saves your life at the end of the night. It's uh, it's very humbling experience for for somebody to experience that. Right. And. Uh, yeah, and that kind of so, got me thinking, you know. Oh, go ahead. So that that was that was probably that was probably my one of my one of the the most experience that was kind of very near and dear to me, uh, and it kind of leads into something that we we're going to talk about here in a little bit, and uh, yeah, kind of give yeah, you a, gonna, an we're, idea. We're going to bring that up in just a little bit. Um, and so I just kind of want to go back to, uh, not back, but go. So you're, you, you do your last deployment and you're going through all your PTS or PTSD protocols and all that stuff. And, and can you just quickly go over some, uh, your injuries and, uh, kind of how you, how you dealt with that? I mean, you know, I, I, I openly talk about it. I don't want to force you to, but I know, uh, you know, it's a very difficult thing to talk about and uh, talk about admitting that you have uh, an, a mental issue because of the things that you did, it's very difficult to talk about. So if you don't want to talk about it, I understand, but uh, you know, if you could kind of go through and, and just kind of explain to the listeners of, of, you know, the, your, your path to recovery, which is going to lead into uh, the dogs. Yeah. It, it, it all started with a mental breakdown. Uh, my last deployment to Afghanistan, 2014, uh, come back early. Um, that took me off of meds, changed meds. It was, it was pretty, so I was mentally broken, right? And it kind of leads into this whole thing. Um, but, uh, and I had a lot of other drama going in my life, divorce going in my life, this and that, and just everything finally built up and it was, it was over. 
I uh, I got very intimate with uh, with my pistol, and uh, luckily I had uh, my command was keeping an eye on me, knew, knew, knowing that I had issues going on, and I uh, sent some teammates over, and uh, and stopped what I what I had planned, and. Because it was it was it was going to happen. I I had you know my letter written out to the, to make sure everything's taken care of. I had two kids at the time, and uh, I was just ready. I I, I I didn't think I had anywhere else to turn. I had wore myself ragged, and did not take care of myself because I was always trying to take care of others and be the best of the best. And uh, it, it finally all caught up with me. And uh, that was that was the end of my military career um, as a Green Beret and and on active duty. So so that was a uh, and that was probably one of the hardest days for me is when I had to raise my hand, you know, and I take a knee and said, "Okay, I'm I'm done." Uh, but with those, I mean. I had everything from TBI to uh, heavy metal poisoning to uh, PTS is what what they were labeling it as now. And I think, you know, that they're talking about using operator syndrome instead, which works a lot better for us soft guys in, in the soft community because we are looking for that fight. We're not necessarily scared or nervous or hiding from that fight. We're We're attacking that fight and going for it even to this day. So I, I think they need to recategorize that, that, that label as maybe operator syndrome for, for us guys that are always at that high octane and uh, special missions and stuff. But, but no, I, I, on, think I, mean, they're, I, I think they're starting to do that. They're starting, they're starting to recognize that, you know, there's uh, 95% of this or 99% of the guys that they're labeling PTSD is not PTSD because they were scared. It's because, they were that, you know, spearhead of that, of that unit or that they were willing to put themselves in harm's way every single day. And you did it day in and day out. And, you know, that takes a toll on you, I, uh, no matter what, that, uh, that amount of adrenaline run into your body where you live on adrenaline for them deployments, six, eight, 10, 12 month deployments. And then you come home and that it's like a, it's the, it's the most crazy drug on earth. Your body gets flushed of it and, you, and your body's always trying to replace that adrenaline. And that causes such an issue with, with, with guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I'm not saying that there's no, there's no little telltale signs of PTS there in there because there most definitely is. Uh, you know, I, I struggle with, with, with depression. I struggle with, um, suicidal thoughts. I mean, I it's still to this day, and I'm really in a good good place. I really am, Patrick. I've I've, I've worked hard since I got out. And they medically retired me in, in uh, 2016. I, I I retired in August of 2016 from the military with 18 and a half years in. Um, and uh, it that even hit me harder than actually saying I had to raise my hand take a knee because uh at that point i lost my my life my mission right it's it's almost like it's almost like it was taken from you right you didn't get to really go out on your terms 
You you went exactly. out because because you were asked to do these things that were so out of this world that people can't even imagine, and you did it day in and day out, and you did it for you know the better part of your young adult life, and it's almost taken from you, and it's it's such a it's a feeling of defeat because you didn't get to go out on your terms. I mean, exactly. And, you know, I wasn't ready to go out. I, I didn't want to go out. I wanted to continue the mission, continue the fight. But, you know, things led to it. And uh, At that point in time, the military was new. Everything was new to these, or, you know, TBI and TCS. I mean, we I see my brothers left and right, you know, struggling with it on a daily basis and we're all struggling with it and you can see it in each other's eyes but nobody's going to say anything because we, we keep going until our body or our mind either one gives up and but but we're never we're not trained and prepped for that moment right we're, it's always trained to go 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 and you know if somebody had said once you know if, if they would train us from for the mental aspect of it as they do the physical fighting aspect of it we would be a much better fighting force and uh, i i totally agree with that because we the military and and they're getting better about it now but they totally just throw that to the side like you know my brothers are turning the drugs to 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 fix their problems they're they're sleeping with women to fix their problems they're doing all this crazy stuff that normally these guys wouldn't do. And I've done these things. and uh, But it's something we can't help. I, I, I don't know how to explain it. Like, no, I, I, know exactly, I, I know exactly what you mean. And I think that it's, a, it's a, something that needs to be addressed, which is one of the biggest, my biggest motivations why I want to do this podcast. And I'm going to keep this podcast going is because... I want to get these stories out there. I want to get your perspective on it and what we need to do. And then it's up to you and I. It's up to our generation to make sure the next generation is taken care of better than we were. And uh, that being said, uh, we have the last part of the episode. We're going to talk about Keith's recovery and dogs and how that played a huge factor. So uh, we're going to break for a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Wounded But Not Broken. With host Patrick Scroggin. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. My father was the, the best truck driver I've ever known in my life. Like a family tradition. I'm a truck driver myself. I drove around the state with my cat. To be the truck driver, you not just only see where you go, you see the world in the larger perspective. This is a really good time to be in the trucking industry. The dispatchers get good loads for them. The equipment is very new and then it's very reliable. At GTS Transportation, we make dreams come true by employing truck drivers, dispatchers, mechanics, and many other occupations. Consider joining our rapidly expanding team where we put quality, human dignity, and respect back into the workforce. Contact us by visiting our website at gtscarrier.com or call us at 847-754-4667. That number again, 847-754-4667. Dallas Corporation and Dallas Logistics, a proud supporter of the Veterans Broadcast Network for over 19 years. High-quality printing services and warehouse distribution has been our hallmark since 1985, serving Fortune 100 companies for over 35 years. 
Check us out at www.dallascorp.com. CBN, Veterans Broadcast Network, brings you Wounded But Not Broken, hosted by Patrick Scroggin. It lies within you to conquer your greatest challenges. Patrick tackles the stories of how others faced unthinkable odds and then at a pivotal moment, a change occurred within them that gave them the strength, attitude, and direction to excel beyond the greatest expectations. Listen every week and learn how it is possible to defeat the impossible. Welcome back to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggin. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, I just want to quickly say I've said this many times. You know, uh, there's a common denominator in all these stories from these uh, heroes that I've had on this show. They all want to help, and they all want to help their brothers and sisters get through the things that they have encountered that were tough for them. And Keith is absolutely no exception. He is He's doing some amazing things now. Uh, the man works harder than any other man I've ever seen. But uh, so, Keith, just tell us, um, you know, how you're how you're overcoming your your uh, your injuries, your mental status, and uh, what helped you with that. So, getting out of the military, I uh, I decided I just need to get away, and I went through some classes for my mental stability and and stuff that they you know the military puts you through and. You know, they did good things, but it, they just weren't addressing the real problems. And uh, so I, I get out and I move down to, to the Myrtle Beach area and I, I start my college. And I, I went to a golf academy and just I wanted to learn how to golf, use it as for therapy type stuff. And uh, I know that sounds weird because I get on the golf course now and I get mad because if I hit a ball, it goes, you know, that way, this way. It's just like army golf, left, right, left, right. <laughs> um, but uh, it is therapy, neither less. But uh, I, I started that down in Myrtle Beach, and, and I, I graduated. But I was sitting on the couch all the time, and, and the demons was just grabbing at me and just, you know, telling me things. And I just I was in a horrible place. Um, couldn't go out in civilian life. I didn't fit in civilian life. I barely passed college. Wasn't used to being around, you know, the new generation that's out there and. And I link up with this nonprofit that's that's local here in in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and uh, they're uh, Special Operations Wounded Warriors, and I, I do a golf tournament with them. And uh, I, I had a really good time, and I and I was like, oh, maybe you know. And I had a lot of spare time, so I you know maybe I'll volunteer for those guys because they're a hundred percent volunteer organization. They uh, they do a lot of great things from medical stuff. To hunting and fishing, and and then I come along, and guess what? They they just started this new dog program. Okay, so I received this dog, and uh, this dog is actually a service dog that I received from the, from this uh, organization, and uh, he he really saved my life. So that, now that two things so far that saved my life, a dog while I was on active duty, a dog at my retirement. Uh because you know I had tried all the I had tried all the different therapies. I've tried all the stem cell therapy, the the hyperbaric chamber and it all worked. It really did. 
but I it, there was still a piece missing. And uh, so I got my dog from, from Special Operations Wounded Warriors. And uh, it was really a life-changing experience. Um, he's my right-hand hand, hand man. He's my battle buddy. I got a mission again uh, because now my dog, I can use him for search and rescue so I can go help my local community. Uh with search and rescue, and and I, I just did one this past year. Bless bless the young young man that lost his life, but we did find him and, and took care of him for his family uh, this this past year. Um, but you know he he's my buddy. He goes everywhere I go and anything I do, he's involved in my life, and it very much gave me that that camaraderie that I had when we were on teams in those small units together, and. Um, so I I wanted to do more again, though. You know, that's that whole thing we always do, do more, do more, do more. And I said, well, I want to start helping these guys. So I started helping this pal and run their dog program. And then uh, then we give Mark Geist his dog. And uh, Mark Geist decides, hey, I'm going to stand up a dog program. And then he called it Shadow Warrior Project. And uh, so Mark asked me, he said, hey, you're good at running these dog programs and doing all this dog stuff. And uh, I was like, all right, well, can you can you help me out? So I, I started helping Mark out. And uh, and about this time, I've had my dog for a couple of years now. And um, I get a phone call from, from where we get these dogs. And we get these dogs from Baden in, out of Canada, Baden Canine. Uh, and... He was like, "Hey, can you can you do me a run down to down to Florida and help me get pick up a dog and, and bring it back to us here in Canada?" I said, "Yeah, no no problem." So I link up with the guys, and it's another organization down in in, in Florida. It's called the Navy Seal Museum, and they have a dog pro- project. Um, so now I'm currently involved in three different dog projects, um, canine uh, programs. And uh, all helping veterans get back on their feet, giving them a, their battle buddy again, giving them a mission to do, giving them a task they have to do every day. And we do it all through Biden Canine out of Canada. Um, and they, they're they 100% certified service dogs. They're, um, they're trained for mobility. Uh, they... And they're there for you at all times. And so it helped me so much that I wanted to give my time as well in doing that. Um, that's not all I'll do. You know, I I, I want to help out my community as much as I can. So I help out with hurricane reliefs here on, on the East Coast when uh, during hurricane season comes in. I help out my community um, with just just educating people about the service dog program and uh, just anytime anybody needs a hand, you know, I, I'm the first one to put my hand up and say, hey, I'm here. So I, I thought all that ended when I left the military, and I thought my my life was over, and, and I didn't have a mission. I didn't have a direction. I didn't have anything. And what I learned that I still have that mission. I just got to change and grow into that next part of my life, that next chapter in my life. And helping others has has really helped me a lot with with my downfalls, my 
my PTS moments, my, my mental struggles that I've had with uh, with the military and, and, and my job and my career path. And, you know, and, and all of this adds up, you know. Not one major thing or one little thing has fixed me, but everything together has, has really done a, a world of, of uh of good for me and the people that's around me in my community. So I just want to give that back to the guys that are going through that. Let those guys know that hey I, that there is light at the end of the tunnel. You know, you don't have to get intimate with your pistols. You you don't have to, you know, go out getting in trouble or doing drugs and stuff. There's there's organizations that are out there to help you. Uh, I'm out here to help um, and if you get involved with one of these organizations, uh, you mo- most likely, you know, the guys will come in contact with me because that's a big part of my life now. And um, I travel all over the U- United States running dogs and training veterans on how to, you know, handle their dogs, how, how to uh, work with their dogs, to train their dogs and keep that training going because it's never ending. Um, right, and and that that's one of those steps that I think helps a lot of veterans. Um, is is giving back to others does a lot better for you than most guys actually know or can even think. Yeah, and man, I, I think you hit the nail a nail on the head. I think the 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 thing is is that you know when you go into the military, especially in the special units mission mission units, I mean you're there to help and you're there to help the country. And once you once you get to the end of that, you know you're so used to helping whether people agree with that term or not. And that's what that's what your mindset is. And you know once you get to the end of that, you you just kind of feel like it's over until you find that next purpose. And you know, so thankfully, brother, you found that purpose, and you're doing amazing things. And I'm going to try to have Josh on. Actually, Baden's training, you know, as you know, Drew Baden's training me up a dog, and I'm going to try to have Josh yep. on that, uh, here here pretty quick to talk about all that. Um, but, you know, man, I really appreciate you being on the show. It was uh, it was great talking to you here, and uh, we'll be in touch soon. But uh, uh, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for your story. It, it It should and it will touch many people's lives that are listening to this. Uh, that's the whole point is getting these stories out there and people trying to get somewhat of an understanding of of what you and so many like you went through and what you deal with on a daily basis. You know, I, it, it makes me sad when we put these people in this country up on a pedestal and we completely shove away our military, our military, our wounded veterans, our veterans that went and gave the sacrifice and the ultimate sacrifice for their families. They're the ones that should be up on the pedestals. And you know, I'm I'm fortunate. I'm fortunate to have, be in this position to at least get these stories out there, and I'm going to continue to do it. And you know me. I mean, I'm just like you. We just want to help, man. We just want to be involved, and we want to make things better. And uh, for that, brother, I thank you. I love you, man, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody, for listening. God bless the United States of America. Keep your God in your heart, dog by your side, and help others, and that's the way to get better. You're listening to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggins. My father was the, the best truck driver I've ever known in my life. 
like a family tradition. I'm a truck driver myself. I drove around the state with my cat. To be the truck driver, you not just only see where you go, you see the world in the larger perspective. This is a really good time to be in the trucking industry. The dispatchers get good loads for them. The equipment is very new and then it's very reliable. At GTS Transportation, we make dreams come true by employing truck drivers, dispatchers, mechanics, and many other occupations. Consider joining our rapidly expanding team where we put quality, human dignity, and respect back into the workforce. Contact us by visiting our website at gtscarrier.com or call us at 847-754-4667. That number again, 847-754-4667. Dallas Corporation and Dallas Logistics, a proud supporter of the Veterans Broadcast Network for over 19 years. High-quality printing services and warehouse distribution has been our hallmark since 1985, serving Fortune 100 companies for over 35 years. Check us out at www.dallascorp.com. CBN, Veterans Broadcast Network, brings you Wounded But Not Broken, hosted by Patrick Scroggin. It lies within you to conquer your greatest challenges. Patrick tackles the stories of how others faced unthinkable odds and then at a pivotal moment, a change occurred within them that gave them the strength, attitude, and direction to excel beyond the greatest expectations. Listen every week and learn how it is possible to defeat the impossible. 